This morning we are uh, moving into this uh, place in, in Paul's message to the Ephesian church and to the other churches that would receive this letter, uh, looking at now moving forward. Uh, as is Paul's style, he will, he will talk about uh, uh, what we need to know for maybe half of his time that he's writing something out. And then he moves into, um, what do you do now with what you know? That's, that is very critical for us as we uh, consider the Word of God. Each time we open it, each time it is read, each time it is proclaimed, uh, to figure out, what do I do with it now? Uh, if it was just something to know, again, uh, we're here for uh, practically no purpose because you have heard these words before. You've, you've received a message about them before. You have knowledge of these things. But in every generation, at every, at every uh, new instance in life, uh, the Word of God hits us differently um, so that what we know of it turns into what we do with it now. How does the Word of God shape my existence today, at this stage in my life, in these circumstances? So we're going to look at um, uh, what it is to be this in church. If you haven't figured it out uh, by now, uh, the in church isn't a, uh, a, a particular church that you go to. Uh, maybe one that looks like this old little chapel in the woods someplace, or this uh, mega structure someplace. Uh, to be the in church is to be uh, those of us that are in Christ Jesus and, and everything that that means. And that's what Paul is trying to get us to understand here again in this passage. What does it mean to be in Christ? And how do we work that out? How do we live that out? So we're going to be looking at uh, the first part of Ephesians 4 this morning, uh, verses 1 through 16. May God bless the reading of the word this morning. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Again, may God give us wisdom this morning as we uh, contemplate these words. Um, A little image there of growing up from infancy to mature manhood. That's what Paul is talking about here. I love the way that Paul gives uh, us examples of, of real life so that we can, we can uh, understand more of what's being said. God has done that throughout His Word in different ways. Uh, Jesus was a master storyteller in trying to bring a visual idea to our understanding of, of the life that we are to live. Uh, when you think about growing up uh, as a child and, and all that's at stake right now, one of the first milestones that we celebrate is when children walk. What a, what a precious time that is to see uh, children uh, progressing beyond the stage of, of infant and uh, toddling to finally walking, uh, taking steps on their own and, and recognizing that, that there is uh, that progress in that child that continues to happen. Paul, Paul uses that, that same idea here uh, in growing up. He uses it in different places as well. He talks about uh, craving pure spiritual, spiritual milk at times. He talks about being, being infants at other places. Uh, scripture is just full of this idea of, of moving in our faith from, from infancy to maturity. Uh, we looked at that when we looked at what it means to be a, a disciple when we had four different chairs up here and that infancy stage is where you, where you first hear about Christ and you, you now move into that chair of uh, knowing about Him and making that decision to accept that free gift of grace and, and keeping on in that and, and moving on to places where you grow in your own understanding. You begin to, to serve in what you do and then you begin to replicate because as mature adults, uh, that's often... Uh, the outcome of growing up is that we are united with somebody in marriage and we produce more offspring. Uh, same way in uh, our development of being in Christ, the idea is so that we uh, produce more offspring because we are growing up and maturing in that. Uh, this idea that uh, Paul uses here I know if you read the, if you read the NIV, uh, it says, uh, I urge you as a prisoner, uh, to live a life worthy of, and, and that's, a, that's a wonderful way to understand that too. I like it, uh, as we read here in the English Standard Version, uh, to walk a life. It has something more about um, movement to it. Uh, you could, and people have lived their lives in rather solitude. Um, monks would stay in a small place. There have been people that have isolated themselves. Uh, you can live life without moving at least for a while. But Paul paints this picture of, of walking as, as our, our life is a, a walk 
it's a, it's a progressive movement. Uh, it's, it's always going someplace. It always has a destination uh, in mind. He uses that here. I, I, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy. He uses, uh, the, the New Testament uses uh, that idea of, of walking a hundred times. And roughly half of it means this, walking. It's a good use of the word when it talks about walking. It should mean walking. But as with so many different things in Scripture, there is a spiritual understanding to things that we need to wrestle with as well. So roughly half of the times that it uses this Greek word for what we know to be walking or to walk, uh, roughly half of those times, it means the way we live our lives. Forty, forty-seven times it's used in that way to, to, to picture the way we live our lives, the journey that we're on, not in a way that we are uh, set in stone or immovable and we're not going anywhere or we're just sitting here waiting, uh, but we're walking, we're living our lives, we're, we're, we're constantly moving forward. And of those 47 times, 35 of them belong to Paul. Paul was uh, always reminding his hearers about the walk that we have in this life. This is now the third time in, in Ephesians that he's brought it up. We... we heard it in chapter 2 that we used to walk in the trespasses of our sins. We, we were dead in the way we walked. And you remember that shift where it says, uh, but God, being rich in mercy, saved us by grace. And then the, the next time Paul uses this idea of, of a walk in life is is to walk in the good works that have been prepared for us. We have, we have walked in our, in our trespasses and it, it kept us uh, living, living in death, existing in death. We used to walk in death. But by God's grace and His salvation, we now walk in newness of life and we walk in the in the works that He has prepared for us. There is something that, that coming from death to life is meant to be lived out. It is the path He has us on. We, we begin now at this point in Paul's letter to understand what that, what that walk looks like as he's explained to us where we've come from, what we possess, this, this wonderful mystery that has been revealed to the world of of one people for the cause of the kingdom. And then this, this prayer to be strengthened, to move out, to carry that out. Now he's giving us uh, this direction that he has for us. I love the way uh, commentator uh, Bob Utley uh, remarks about this passage here. Um, in his overview, he says, uh, knowledge, because this is where Paul moves us from the idea of what we know to what we do with it. Bob Utley says, Knowledge must affect lifestyle. Truth is relational. Salvation is not a product, a fire insurance policy, or a ticket to heaven. 
but an ongoing repentance-faith relationship which results in Christ-likeness. Knowledge is there so that we will be transformed by it. In, in our uh, opening psalm, we read that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, that wisdom is receiving something so that you know what to do with it. So Paul talks about this walk that we have. It is first a walk of, of unity. Unity with one another. He uses uh, descriptive words here. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. As we, as we figure out uh, now this great mystery that we have, that we are the hope for the world, and we are not uh, isolated in that, we are united with all believers at this present time, united with believers throughout time, uh, through, through uh, different expressions. There are neighbors across the street who have a different name from us. There are neighbors down the road that have a different name from us. There are people around us, different churches around us, with different denominational names that are connected to that same mission. We are a unified people. The Church of Christ is one church. It's meant to be one church. So in, in doing that, as we, as we try to figure out how to do that with one another, coming from different backgrounds, we have to figure out uh, not that we possess anything more than anybody else, and so that takes that level of humility. Jesus would talk to his disciples about humility. They wanted, they wanted themselves, uh, James and John, wanted this place of prominence in the kingdom. If we're going to be a part of this big thing that you've got going on, we'd like to have good seats in the house. Kind of like the Pharisees would do. Jesus said it's not about uh, this position that you have. It's about humble servanthood. We need humility. This isn't our cause. This isn't our doing. This is Christ's kingdom. It is His call on our lives. Working through with gentleness. Another way, another way of ha- having said that is is meekness, <clears throat> gentle and meek. Um, uh, does that paint the picture for you of wimpy and weak? Uh, far from that. Um, if you would just take the word gentle, why do we why do we tell people to be gentle? If you have uh, so I. All kinds of different images flood my mind when I think about being gentle. Uh, you have people that have prosthetic arms and they, they, work, by, they work by a great force. You can actually uh, take things and, and crush them in some of these mechanical arms uh, because they are so strong. So when you, when you first pick up a glass, realizing that the power that is contained in that prosthetic arm has such great power, you need to be gentle with it or you will just crush that thing. You tell the older siblings with the younger ones, be gentle. Why? Because you're stronger than they are. We are called to also be gentle in our dealings with one another, with, with those that may still be weak in the faith. We know the power that we have, but it's not ours to lord it over people and to crush people with it, but to encourage people by it. Patient. I like that. I don't know if I like it. Uh, the other term for that is long-suffering. 
I think I'd rather just stay with patience. It doesn't mean that it's maybe going to take so long, although it does. Going through the circumstances of our life, trying to figure out God's will for us, sometimes just takes patience, and He does that through long suffering. Bearing with one another because we are all so different. Uh, So we need to be walking in unity with one another, and we walk in unity with this this concept of God as well. All the different pictures that are are, are painted there. Uh, He he concludes, Paul does, uh, as he talks about the things that we need to bear with each other. uh, In the unity of the Spirit, he says, in the bond of peace, the same same peace that draws in both sides, there is this idea that we need to uh, be united under something. Not just united to each other, that's part of it as well. But we, we need to be united with and under the, the authority of, of one God. He, he paints it out in, in so many different ways. One body, one hope, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. All in the unity of the Spirit. We are, as much as it doesn't look like it in our world, we are to be one body. Uh, people will twist that idea. People have twisted that. Even in our own denomination, they have twisted this idea of what it means to be one body. Uh, there's more uh, in the description here that deals with that as well. But we truly are meant to be one body of believers. When Paul would, would preach and, and write these things, he would, he would write to the church at... So if we, were, if we were receiving instruction to the church at Overeisel, which one would he t- be talking about? Doesn't sound like we're one, does it? But we are meant to be one in Christ. Those here in, in Little Overeisel, with, with those that are in Grand Rapids and Lansing and Detroit and Chicago and Los Angeles, uh, all true believers are to be one body And yet we seem so disconnected. One body doesn't mean that we all just claim the same name. It's far deeper than that. Paul says it's it's, uh, one hope. Uh, There's one thing that we are all called towards. And that's where so many different people that would say they are some sort of believer in God would have a different hope in mind. We profess one hope. It's, it's the hope that carries us from one life uh, out of the life of, the, of disease and death and dying into uh, the hope of eternal existence with God. One hope. There is uh, one faith that we profess. Scripture is very clear about that. Uh, Jude, Jude, much like, like Paul was in his, uh, in his short little letter, said, I, I was going to write to you about, but I had to change my mind because we need to contend for the faith. 
that faith that has been handed down once and for all to all people. It isn't a faith that's up for grabs. It's not your interpretation of it or mine or theirs. It is the faith that has been laid out in Scripture clearly. And so we hold to one faith in what it was meant to be understood as. But, but even as uh, Peter would say, uh, there are those that twist Paul's words, which are Scripture, to their own demise. Uh, people do that with the Word of God all the time. They take the Word of God and they, they want it to say something else. So often, it's because they don't want to transform into what Christ wants for us. I'd rather, I'd rather mix Him up a little bit. I'd like to continue in my lifestyle and put a little Jesus in there. Wouldn't that be great? That's not the way the faith works. The faith is what Scripture says it is. It's the, it's the way that Jesus lived out His life and has now commanded us to walk the way He walks. If you and I say we are in Christ, we should walk the way Jesus walks. That's the, the faith that is meant to unite us. We're at such a pivotal point here in, in so many ways in our, in our state, in our nation, in our world where, where we need to reiterate once again the foundational truth and faith that exists and nothing else. Because people will try to twist every portion of it to say that love your neighbor means to kill the child in the womb. That's what they say. This is how far our world has gone. And we need to maintain what Paul says here. One faith. One understanding of it. One baptism. Being immersed into... uh, The fullness of one person. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We are to be immersed, that idea of baptism. um, Immersion into the life and ministry of Christ. There is one baptism. The baptism of of taking on the role of Christ in our world to, to, to bring good news, to come under His authority, to realize that we have died in our sins, but we're raised to new life coming under one baptism, being immersed in Christ, being immersed in the Spirit. And one God. So many different religions out there that seem to be competing and they say, well, we're similar to yours. And they're not. There, is not, there isn't a similar one to Christianity. It is so unique. But in this, you have, you have the fullness of... Um, Paul just picks up on these words, this idea of fullness and all and all. It keeps ringing out. Uh, if, you've, if you've read or listened to all of Ephesians lately, this idea of fullness, filling, and all and all keeps ringing throughout um, Paul's letter here. We are to be walking in a unified God. The fullness of the Trinity. And this walk, this, this knowledge that we now possess, is meant to do something. It's meant to direct us. 
uh, so that we uh, are equipped to grow. If, if you take that child, that, that little child, um, w- when, you're, when you're trying to get the child to walk, right, when they're like four months old, what, what you do is you just stand them up in the middle of the room and you let them go. <laughs> no. You get them the little bouncy seat, right? So they get to try their legs for a while. They put them in the little uh, bungee thing that you hang from the door so they can jump up and down and see how high they can go. We give them ways to, to uh, test their legs and, and strengthen them. We, we give them, we, we equip them with, with different things. We give them toys so that they learn things, they, they experience things. It's the same with the, the Christian life. God gives us things that will equip us to grow because we're, we're not meant to uh, come into come into faith as we are with these, with these uh, four chairs again. Uh, we don't come into faith from being outside uh, to being in the family, finding out that this is a really comfortable chair and staying there. This isn't the, this isn't the end of things. This is the beginning of things. And so as we come into life in Christ, uh, we are always expected to grow in Him. And there are ways that uh, we are meant to be equipped uh, so just as the parents give uh, ways to equip their children for growth and to continue in their advancement in, in uh, working through this life, growing up, uh, that's God's plan for us as well. That, that beloved verse, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. God has a, a plan for us. Even in the midst of uh, people's rebellion, He has a plan for them so that they would grow in their understanding and be equipped to mature in this world. And so He, he, gave, he gave gifts to, to grow, to, to equip people. Certainly there are, are the, the gifts that He gives uh, us that we use uh, in the kingdom, those, those spiritual gifts that are listed in different places. Paul is talking about things here, gifts that are given so that people are equipped. He says, I, I gave them the apostles and the prophets. We heard that already. Uh, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Uh, growing up, building from there this, this place of... of, of this special office, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, of, of people that were, were given the privilege of speaking the very words of God. We don't have Isaiah's and Jeremiah's and Ezekiel's and Daniel's and Hosea's and, and the list. We don't have those types of people anymore. In the New Testament, he gave the apostles, the twelve apostles, and, and, and a few others as well that would serve as a, as a mouthpiece for God. And Paul, when he spoke, he spoke... Uh, and when he wrote these things down, he, he wrote down the words of God. We don't have Pauls anymore. We don't have apostles and, and prophets. Although, if you whittle them down a little bit, uh, there are micro versions of them. But that, that prominent office in the Old Testament and then again the New Testament, the, the, the prophets and the apostles, were there to build things in the beginning and then it would move on from there. He gave, he gave the evangelists, those that would 
that would go out specifically to preach the good news out to the world. Shepherds and teachers, that idea of those that would uh, take the flock and, and feed them, train them, equip them, direct them, encourage them, rebuke them. David being that shepherd that would do that with sheep and that idea of Jesus being the good shepherd who would, who would feed his people, who would equip them and train them and use them and send them out. He gave, he gave gifts to the church so that we would be built up in, in unity with each other, uh, unity under the uh, lordship of, of the fullness of who God is. And he says, I, I gave you these gifts so that you wouldn't be deceived by everything that the devil is going to throw at you. There's a reason that uh, God puts people in positions uh, to speak the word of God. To proclaim what it says and what it means and what it means for us today. It's so that we're not taken off guard by anything. He doesn't want you and I to hear some different thing. And you're going to hear different things in the future, depending on how long any of us live. The world will continue to rapidly change away from the Word of God, but it'll sound like it a little bit. It, it, that's, the, that's the devil's playground. He'll, 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 he'll make it sound very scriptural. He'll make it sound like that's what it means. That's what it includes. Uh, He just keeps opening the doors wider and wider for our understanding of things. And yet, uh, Scripture tries to um, make it very clear and specific. So he's gifted the church with, with people that would steer the church. But he's also, he's also uh, given us these gifts so that we are equipped, so that we can do the work, so that you and I can carry out the daily task of his call for the church in the world today. We come here to be uh, strengthened. When we were talking about the, the book of Revelation, the, the churches, the seven churches, as Jesus is addressing them, I, I, I pictured him uh, standing there as, as commander-in-chief before the armies. And this is what you need to know. This is where you need to improve. This is what you do well. Now continue to persevere all the way through to the end. And we have to understand that call for us. We need to, we need to realize that the world will change, the message will change uh, and we need to be uh, sure of the message. And then we ourselves, uh, instructed by the King of Kings, to now partake in that. If, if, the, if the work of the ministry of the kingdom falls only on people like me and anybody else that would stand up here or some other pulpit or stage or whatever, there certainly is not enough workers in the vineyard. There just isn't. And so we are being equipped so that we are not 
uh, swayed by every little uh, idea of teaching. We are, we are equipped so that we will continue to understand what our role is and the, we will go out and, and carry it out. The goal of our walk in life is to be built up so that we grow up. People, I've heard them say it before, uh, we've probably said it at different stages with our own kids. You know, you get them in that toddler stage, you say, oh, I wish they would just, could just stay like this. No, you don't. Well, sort of. I mean, there's this idea that's partly true. There's this understanding that I just love this phase that they're in right now, but you know why we grieve when somebody dies early? Because they didn't get to carry out what they thought they were going to. They didn't grow up. When you have little kids that leave this world way too soon, we grieve because of what they missed out on and what God would have been able to do had their life continued. The things that we would have experienced together. We're meant to grow up. And we are as a church as well. We should keep pursuing Keep walking the walk, trying to figure out what God has for us. Verse 13 said, it's building the body of Christ to mature manhood. And in 16 it says, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Two things I want you to take away from today. Two questions I want you to wrestle with. Am I committed to keep growing? To, to mature personhood. To a, a, a mature believer in the life of Christ. And as it was said in that commentary early on, uh, salvation is not the destination, it's the beginning. The fullness of that comes when we have finished all that He has for us and done it faithfully. Are you willing to stay committed to growing in Christ? And second, ask yourself, if we are, if we are to uh, work together in unity, uh, building each other up, as each part is working properly, what part will you play? See, in this expression of the body of Christ here, there's still tasks for us to do. We still have a mission field around us. We are to grow up into every way, building each other up, equipping, being equipped so that we can carry out the work that God has for us here and now, united with the rest of the, the body of Christ around the world. What part can we play? What part would you play in building up God's kingdom so that it grows and matures? Are you committed to growing? And what part are you willing to play? Let's pray about that.
Father, as we consider being a part of your church, your kingdom, we are disciples of Jesus Christ. We are to walk as Jesus walked. The very one who set the model for us that from the very beginning of ministry until our final breath, we are called to be your servants. In, in any way that you would equip us to serve. So Holy Spirit, we, we pray that as you fill us, as we, as we remember what we have, where we've come from, the power that you have given us by your Spirit living in us, so that we can carry it out. Would you stir within us, uh, calling us to this place of, of service for the future, that we may be a fully mature, equipped body of believers ready to carry out the call in this place. So Jesus, walk with us as we walk with you in this week. Be gracious to us, strengthen us, and walk with us, we pray in your most holy name. Amen.